Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio show. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and the title of my message today is Understanding Worship. And as we are talking about worship this week, I'm sure I don't have to tell you the enemy put up quite a fight to keep this podcast from happening. Y'all know that I am part of the unchurched among the population. I did attend church when I was in Louisiana because that church was someplace the Lord wanted to use me, but I don't now and I don't intend to. I know a lot of you are also unchurched, but just because we don't go to church does not mean we do not worship our King. I worship Him a lot better and for a lot longer when I'm at home. I was never comfortable worshiping in public. So I want to talk to you about private worship today, because I know if you can grasp this and begin to worship the Lord for yourself, it will help you immeasurably, and it will help your relationship with Him tremendously. I began worshiping the Lord early in my walk. In my first year with Him, I was sent to Morgan City, Louisiana to do some work. I rented an apartment and got right to work. I also got right into real worship, private worship. Every evening after work, around 7 p.m., I would lock my doors, turn off the phone ringers, and start my worship music. Sometimes I would do this during lunch hour because I would just miss him and miss his presence, and I would go home at lunch and gobble down a peanut butter sandwich or something, and then I would worship for the rest of my lunch hour. I would begin praising God and telling him how wonderful he was to save me and thanking him for my salvation and thanking him in advance for saving my two grown children. And then I would begin telling him how wonderful he was for being him. That part is the worship. Make no mistake, the Lord loves when we truly worship Him, not for what He does for us, because, but because we adore Him. I mean, do you love your spouse because of what they do for you, or do you love them as a person? That is the difference. Do you love your child for what they do for you, or do you love them as a person? He listens intently to every bit of worship we offer up to Him, and He delights in even the tiniest sliver as you go about your day. Okay, let's talk for a minute about the law of first mention, because we're going to talk about the first mention of worship. The law of first mention means where a word appears for the first time in the Bible is a key to interpreting all the other occurrences. The first mention of worship is Genesis 22, verse 5, which says, And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. What I notice here is that Abraham took time out of his work, out of his work day, and he went aside to worship God. So I want y'all to remember that, okay? The King James Version translates that that's the Strong's uh, Hebrew word, 7812. And I can't pronounce it, so I won't try. But it's translated worship 99 times. It's translated bow or bow down 31 times and 18 times, respectively. And obeisance nine times. Obeisance means to show great respect and reverence five times. The same, it is the same as the 7812 is the same as the word translated worship in this verse. For thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. And it is the same Hebrew word translated worship in this verse, 2 Kings 1736. 
But the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt with great power and a stretched out arm, him shall you fear and him shall you worship and to him shall you do sacrifice. And by the way, for those of you who don't know, the land of Egypt is wherever you were before you were saved. It is whatever you were caught up in before he saved you. Now, John MacArthur defines true worship as, and he contrasts it with vain worship. And I'm not sure what vain worship is. I think it's just worthless worship. True worship is any and every expression of obedience, praise, honor, adoration, and gratitude offered to the true God by a regenerate soul who knows the truth about God and loves Him. The Oxford Languages Dictionary defines worship as the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity, and a deity is a, is a god of some kind, such as the worship of God. Worship is a little different to each person, but you know when you have truly entered into worship, when you have gotten yourself and your issues and your to-do list out of your mind, and you are concentrating on your king. To me, the hardest part of worship was always getting my mind off of all my stuff so that I could enter in. And it takes a little practice. You know because the atmosphere in the room changes completely and you know He is there or that you have stepped into the heavenly realm. That first year or so I was saved, I was traveling with my oil and gas job, so I was on the highway a lot, and I do mean a lot. And whenever I would take days off, which was not very often even then, I would drive from Morgan City, Louisiana, which is about an hour east of New Orleans, all the way to western Oklahoma for that vacation so I could see my mom and my children. So I always carried teaching tapes of sermons to listen to and worship music with me. In fact, when I'd be planning a vacation, the first thing I did was I ordered teaching tapes that I wanted to listen to. And sometimes I'd buy two or three sets because I would run them the entire time I was traveling. It was so much fun to listen. I alternated the worship music and the sermons as I drove. And I listened to them whenever I was driving around out on the job. And I would listen to teaching for a while, and then when I got tired of that, I would pop the worship cassette in, and I would sing to the Lord and worship Him. I lost count of how often this happened, but when the worship got really deep, and I knew nothing about God back then, y'all, I would enter a state of being of what I called the bliss. It felt like I was in heaven, although I don't know what heaven really feels like. It was a heavenly feeling. I lost track of driving, of the road, where I was going, everything. I remember times when 30 minutes later I would come out of that place and I would be way further than I thought I had driven. And now I look back on that and I think, wow, that almost sounds dangerous, you know, to not really be present in your driving, but God just had me and he, he protected me. He protected me because I was in that secret place with him. That went on for well over a year happening regularly. I knew nothing about worship. I did not even really know the difference between praise and worship. I just knew that I loved Him, and it made me feel happy to sing those songs to Him, so I did. This is the basic way that I move into true worship in case it may help you in some way. Now, you do it the way you want to do it. I'm just telling you the way I do it because people have asked me about different things about it. I used to make a cassette with my own music mix on it to worship to, and it had praise music first because we enter into His chords with praise and thanksgiving. Those are the outer chords, not the inner ones. This should be music that really makes you smile and praise Him. You choose what gives you that feeling. My favorite praise song for a long time now has been I Go to the Rock. And a really happy rendition of that was done by Aaron Jeffrey. It's out on YouTube. I'll put the link in the description. Begin praising and thanking Him for all He has done for you. This turns into a very long list very quickly if you are a thankful person, and you should be. Next, I put on worship music. My favorite CD 
is uh, was for a long time the one that there's a free download at this link that I'll publish in the description. That is Jacob Toback's site. He actually has a course you can study on true worship. But you can use whatever worship music moves you into God's presence. Turn on worship music that really moves you. I used to kneel or bow or prostrate myself on the floor and begin worshiping. I don't do that anymore because if I did, I wouldn't be able to get back up. But like a lot of y'all are the same way. But I looked in, I was reading Revelations one day and I realized that the things that the angels say in heaven, that's worship. Holy, 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 or worthy is the Lamb of all praise and honor and glory. Those kind of things. This is the place where I have to be sure my mouth does not start asking Him for stuff because when we get near Him, that's what we tend to do when we pray because we're human. Worship time is for Him, not for you. Please hear me on this. Worship is for God. It is not for you. Keep your mind and your focus on Him, not on things you need, not on things you want, but on Him, okay? Now, instead of prostrating myself on the floor or getting on my knees and then I can't get back up, I stand or more often kind of dance around whatever I feel like doing, focusing solely on Him and on delighting Him and delighting in Him. You can begin then telling Him how awesome He is and how very much you love and adore Him. Or you can say something like, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I also have a song on CD called Holy, Holy, Holy that has a very ethereal sound to it. It's one of those songs that just kind of takes you into His presence. But you buy whatever sound moves you into His presence. Turn on music that really moves you. I usually make a new worship mix every year. And then I date them in the, in the titles of my, the file that I save in MP3 on my computer. I just date them. As you set your heart to adore Him, you should feel the anointing begin to fall. If not, keep pressing in. Refuse to stop until His presence comes. Go deeper, then go deeper again. Press in. I can be in worship anywhere from 20 minutes to two hours or more at a time, and it's awesome. You don't even want to come back out. In His presence, I often get powerful revelations, visions, or words for people, words for the sight. This is what works for me. It may be different for you. I'm sharing you what I do to give you ideas. Like I said, I used to do it driving down the road, and the only thing that was bowed down was my heart, but that's okay because it's your heart he's after. Your worship is a sacred thing, and it is personal to each person. How you do it, what you listen to while you do it, whatever, that's all personal to you. If you don't want music, don't play it. Music, to me, I, I very seldom ever play music, but when I do, it's usually when I'm in worship. Okay, let's look at the biblical pattern for the tabernacle just for a second. I don't know much about this, as I believe that tells us something about how we should approach God in worship. My friend Nicole talked about this some on a previous podcast I did on worship in 2019. Before a priest could enter into the holy place of God's presence, what they only entered in one time a year on Yom Kippur, by the way, to atone for everybody's sins, they had to bathe. They had to clean themselves up to be ceremonially clean. Then they had to dress in special holy garments. For us, we need to repent for any sins we have done or even might have done, especially now when war is probably at our doorstep. We need to clean up any wrong attitudes that are lurking in our hearts. God does not want us coming before Him with dissatisfaction, complaining, blame, resentment, anger, or unforgiveness, especially unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will hinder your prayers anyway. We need to be sure we have washed in the water of His Word by spending time in it before we go before Him. 
We need to be sure our hearts are right and we are worshiping because we love Him, because we adore Him, not to get something from Him or feel the high of being in His presence. I used to know people in church that they would run down to the front as soon as the worship began and they were wailing and all this and carrying on and and it actually was disturbing to the congregation, honestly, and it bothered me because it it just, it disturbed my, my spirit and I think it's because it was not real. And they, I found out from them later, there was a couple of them that did this, that they went around to all these different churches. And the reason they did that is they would just run into the worship for, you know, just a few seconds to get high on the worship, on His presence. And, and I know that because the Lord told me that. He told me that they were just barely touching the edge of it, you know, and if they would press in with a pure heart, He would give them so much more, so much more. So we need to go into worship not to get something or feel the high of being in His presence, but because we love Him. And we want to please Him, don't we? Don't you want to please Him? You should want to please Him if He's your God. Okay, there's one extra special category of worship I want to remind you of because we all need this one. And it's what I call worship in the dark. Worshiping during the darkest moments of your life. Prophet J. Hudson, who's now gone home to be with the Lord, may he rest in peace. Uh, He died in a car accident last, not this year, but last year in the summer, I believe. He was a precious soul. He was HIV positive because he had come out of the homosexual lifestyle. And he told me one time that after he got the diagnosis was when he wrote all these beautiful, he wrote all these beautiful songs. I have them on a CD somewhere. I don't know if I still have them, but I did have them on one of my computers, but it might be the one that crashed. Um, But he said that he recorded those in a closet. He had a friend who mixed the, you know, the sound and everything, and he recorded them in a closet right after he was diagnosed. Right after he got that diagnosis, he spent three days writing songs to God and recording them in a closet. And that always amazed me about him, and that's what that is. That's worshiping in the dark. When you're having a dark moment, you remember Prophet J. Hudson getting in that dark closet when he was just given a, a, diagn- a terminal diagnosis, basically, HIV. There wasn't that many drugs back then, years ago, to treat that. And who would want to take all that stuff anyway? But he went into a dark closet and recorded his love and his adoration of Jesus. So y'all remember that worship in the dark, because we're going to go into some very dark times here. Okay, and I'm talking dark, dark. You can feel the spiritual darkness now, and it's getting darker all the time. Worshiping in the dark is worshiping during the darkest moments of your life. It's worshiping when you feel the least like it. You just got a cancer diagnosis, or your spouse just left you, or you know you have no money in your bank account, no job, and you don't know how you're going to eat and pay your bills. It is a true sacrifice, and it is the most powerful of all worship. I think Job as well as King David, could have been described as a man after God's own heart. In all his loss and heartache, Job never once struck out at the Lord. And not only did he not strike out, but he worshipped. When the worst thing that could happen to him happened, Job worshipped. I'm going to read you Job 1, 18-20. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness, and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose and rent his mantle, and shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground in worship. So I was reading how Job immediately worshipped. 
when he was told he had lost all his wealth and all his children. And I was thinking how wise that is. He did not give his mind time to judge God for his losses or blame him for what had befallen him. God, why didn't you protect me from this? No. Job was like, no, naked came I into this world, naked will I go out. You know, blessed be the name of the Lord. He immediately rented his mantle, which means he tore his clothes and shaved his head because that was a sign of mourning, and fell down upon the ground and worshipped God. Think about that. Let's say the invasion comes and the enemy burns down your house and kills your family and you alone are left. What's your response going to be? Are you going to yell at God and be mad at Him? You have to think about these things because this is the time we live in. We have to think about these things. And I thought, how many of us will render a like reaction when we lose it all in the coming war? How many of us will even still like God and not be totally offended at Him for our losses? Come on, y'all. I'm trying to help you here. Think about this. And let me provide part of the answer to that question for you. Not many. Okay? Not many. Very, very few people will even speak to God for a while after something like that happens. It is because of a lack of understanding of who God really is. Did you get mad at your parents when they spanked you or when you lost something? If you never spend time in worship or true worship, you are in great danger of being one of the people who falls away from your faith in God in this time coming as hardships increase. And they're increasing now if you have not noticed that. Who of us would even attempt to be in a long-term relationship with somebody we loved and never say, I love you? Never spend quality time alone with just them where you are focused on them. Nobody could maintain a relationship without those things. Not a good one for sure. And you won't maintain a good one with him either without those things. But how many people spend no time with him, no time in his word, no time eradicating the sin from their lives, and yet they want all his blessings and protection? Can I tell you something? If you are one of these people who has no time for him, don't think for one minute he will answer you when you cry to him and what's coming. I am telling you the truth. Do not think he will draw near to you when you have ignored him all this time. The word says, draw nigh to him and he will draw nigh to you. It does not say, do whatever you feel like and he will still bless you because he won't. Proverbs 1, 24 to 31, because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded, but you have said it not all my counsel and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear comes. When your fear comes as desolation and your destruction comes as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. The lukewarm will almost certainly fall away in the time coming because if you don't believe in God enough to live your life by His rules, you don't really believe. You have no fear of His mighty power. And that's going to come back and bite you. Those who fall away will not have all they need when the judgments fall. You know, over the years since I've been ministering, the thing I hear most often from listeners is, I want a relationship with God like you have. I want to be able to hear Him speak. You can have a relationship like I have. It isn't complicated. Fall in love with Him. Get your mind off yourself and your problems and spend time worshiping Him. Obey Him. Do what you're supposed to do. Sacrifice what He wants you to sacrifice. Sacrifice. 
turn away from evil and sin. It may take a while to get all the sin out of your life, especially if you've walked in it a long time, but it's so worth the effort. Sin takes away your peace. Did you know that? When you get the sin out, you will have peace. This amazing peace you walk in every day. I could never go back to a life of sin and give up the peace I walk in because I cannot live any other way ever again, and I don't want to. I don't miss it, y'all, and you won't either. There are many rewards to being a worshiper. True worship when you enter into His presence is like a cleansing rain. All your problems, all your worries, everything just goes away while you are in that place alone with your King. It is so worth it. Some days ago, I got up one morning not feeling well and, you know, just sad. Sad about a lot of things. Sad about the war going on. Sad about so many lost souls. Just sad. There are things going on behind the scenes in my life I cannot tell y'all about just yet that I'm working through as best I can. This stuff that only God can fix. I was up really early, like 5 a.m. or something, because I've not been sleeping well, and I decided to worship. I had been feeling ill for several days and had not been worshiping as much. So I began praising God as I made my coffee, and I have to praise Him extra now because I have to drink decaf, y'all. And I, <laughs> I turned on my favorite worship song, and I began to sing and just kind of dance and worship. And every bad feeling in my mind and body just left. I worshiped for a long time that morning, and the rest of my day was so much better. So much better. When I stopped, I still had the same problems other than my body did not feel ill for hours after. But I felt a lot better about the problems. Worship reminds me of who He is, how big He is in comparison to my tiny problems. It helps me focus on my God, not on my storm. A friend of mine told me a story a while back about a person that she knew, a man, an older man who had a lot of health problems. He lived alone. And um, no one had heard from him for a few days, and they went to his house, and they found him deceased. But you got to hear how they found him deceased. He had died worshiping. He had died worshiping God prostrate on the floor. God took him home. And I thought that was the most beautiful thing I ever heard, that he died in worship. He went to meet his king and then got to go be with him. It does not get better than that, y'all. Several years ago in Arkansas, I was worshiping him in dance one afternoon. I remember I was just really rejoicing. I can still remember how I felt. And I was just rejoicing in Him and just loving Him. And I had my hands raised as I danced. And I felt Him grab my hands and squeeze them. No amount of words could ever express the joy I felt then. I could feel it as strongly as if a physical person grabbed hold of my hands and squeezed them. It's the only time that's ever happened. Now, He does not do something like this every time you worship. If you get an experience like that, even once in a lifetime, consider yourself beyond blessed. But He will let you know He is there enjoying your worship every now and then. He sees your worship. He delights in your worship. And if you will focus your heart only on Him and truly adore Him, He will meet you in worship. His presence will surround you like a warm blanket, and you will never want to leave that place. I hope this podcast has been a help to you, and I hope that you will remember the things that I said because this will help you now, and this will help you in the horrors that are coming if you are still here, which I pray you're not. I pray that all of us are at home enjoying the marriage feast, and I wish that everybody could be. I wish that everybody would give their heart to Him because it's going to be such a horrible thing to be left behind. 
And I know that all of y'all are worried about your, your unsaved children, your unsaved loved ones. I'm going to be doing either some podcasts or a series, I don't know how long it's going to be, on suggested prayers, things that you can pray or prayer points, however you want to look at it. I've got to do some research to find everything I want to find to do that. Back when I first got saved, I remember it hitting me that, you know, I was not saved when I was raising my children. And so I didn't teach them about Jesus because I didn't know him myself. You can't teach somebody what you don't know. And I love my children, y'all. I love them so much. And back then I knew, you know, nothing, just nothing. I was trying to learn the Word. The Word had just become opened up to me. I didn't know anything about prayer. Um, I don't believe really in structured prayer unless you're just reading Scripture from the Bible. But I didn't know anything. But my heart was totally given over to God. And I began to intercede for my children and beg God to save them. And I told him he could have anything in my life. He could have. I gave him my whole life. I said, you can have my life. And when I, told, <laughs> I had been interceding for weeks at this point. I remember I was in my bedroom, Morgan City, because I would always go in there to worship. I don't know why. And when I said, I'll give you my life, my knees went out from under me. The glory hit that room, and my knees dropped right out. Right out I dropped like a rock to the floor and didn't care. And I remember I couldn't get up because His glory was on me. And His glory is a very heavy thing if you've ever felt it. I've only felt it a few times, but it is very heavy. It's like having a you know 200-pound blanket laying on top of you. And I couldn't stand up, so I crawled. I crawled over to the end of my bed, and it took me a while even to do that because I couldn't hardly move. I crawled to the end of my bed, and I said, I take it that was what you wanted to hear. You know, he didn't say anything, but, <laughs> but His glory was all over that room. I'm like, I'm, you know, I meant it. He knew I meant it. And I just, you know, kept on talking to him. And I said, please, I'll do anything if you'll save my children because I love my children and I want them to be in heaven too. I don't want them to miss heaven. I don't want them to go to hell. I don't want them to suffer. I want them to be in heaven too. I interceded, including that night, for about 30 days. And out of the blue, God saved both of my children. And I was hundreds of miles away from them. They were in Oklahoma. I was in South Louisiana. So I want to share with you in some podcasts or series, however it turns out, some things that I did and prayed in case they may help you. And we, you know, my children are not serving the Lord now. And I'm going to begin interceding more heavily for them. Again, I pray for them every single day, every single day and have ever since I got saved. I am going to begin interceding for them again. And if my daughter hears this, she'll laugh because we used to say, boy, you're in trouble when the senior citizens start praying for you. you better look out because God answers them. <laughs> They've got seniority. God answers them. She'll know. <laughs> she is the most charming, funny person. I wish y'all could meet her. And if, 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 when God saves her, you'll get to meet her in heaven. She's really fun. But anyway, I wanted to tell y'all one more thing. Um... I don't have it anymore. I used to have a real old Strong's Exhaustive Concordance that I bought in the 90s, when the mid-90s when I got saved. And it had the best definition of the word translated worship in the Hebrew that I, I ever saw in any of them. But I want to go over some of that because it's more than you think it is. Um, and I think I can do it from memory. Your worship includes your true worship, as we discussed here, but it also includes your obedience to God's commands your service to Him and to others to honor Him, and that's like serving in your local food pantry or soup kitchen 
or helping the poor in other ways. It also includes your reverence for him, for his word, his name, and his blood. Now, your reverence is your respect, and I believe it would also include your commitment to him to do his will. It also includes your giving. All of these together with your personal private worship in any corporate or group worship you do make up your total worship. So let's summarize your personal, private, and corporate or group worship. So that means your private worship at home and your church or any group you go to worship. Your obedience to his commands, your reverence for him, his word, his name, and his blood. Now that would be things like... um, not using his name frivolously, like not saying, oh, get away from me in Jesus' name or anything like that, or not um, treating the Bible disrespectfully because the Bible is his word and his word and Jesus are the same thing. So if you have your Bible rattling around in your car floorboard or something like that, that is disrespectful and you should not do that. My mother had a rule that she, we always had a Bible in the living room. It was always sitting somewhere there in the open, but we were never allowed to place anything on top of it. And that was her reverencing his word. Part of the reverence for him would be like not letting people come into your house and, you know, use profanity and be disrespectful and make jokes about Jesus, you know, things like that. Okay, your service to others to honor him, like helping the poor, working in a food pantry, a soup kitchen, things like that, helping distribute free turkeys at Thanksgiving, you know, however you do it. There's always ways to serve if you are looking to serve. And it includes your giving, which is your tithe and offering and that sort, and giving to missionaries, you know, supporting missionaries, things like that. So y'all try to remember your worship is not just your private worship, but your private worship is a huge part of it to God. It's very serious to Him. And it's so serious to Him and so important to Him that He will stop what He's doing and listen to you when you're worshiping Him. Remember that because that means something. You are important to Him. He loves you. And your worship delights him. This is all I have for y'all. Thanks for listening. Jesus bless you. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. I hope this has inspired you to a closer walk with Christ. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc. P.O. Box 854 Altus, Oklahoma. That's A-L-T-U-S. Oklahoma 73522, or by email at wingsofprophecy at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination.